0: Is there at this very moment a global secret brotherhood plotting to control the world? Or even worse, is the shocking plan already in motion? Have devastating weapons already been positioned around the world to cause catastrophic results? Can it be stopped? I'm Patrick McNee. The Illuminati is said to be a global secret society that has been operating for centuries, a hidden brotherhood that includes some of the world's most influential people, people of all races and religions that hold top positions in government, churches, business, education, science, medicine, military, financial and charitable institutions. A secret fraternity whose sole purpose is to take over control of the entire world's resources, finances, and its people. If such a powerful secret society does exist, it represents the ultimate threat to the free world. In fact, it means that right now there is actually no free world at all. Some say it's preposterous, but now for the first time ever we have obtained proof not only such a global secret organization does exist but it has infiltrated two of the most powerful intelligence agencies in the world what's more weapons of mass destruction have been hidden in the usa and other countries for future use how could this happen To get at the truth, we must first explore the dark reaches of the world's secret societies, whose history, rituals and very existence are shrouded in mystery. Secret societies have existed for thousands of years. They all have one thing in common, unique knowledge, which they swear by oath to keep secret. For armed with this knowledge, limited to themselves, they believe they can control others. One of the earliest secret societies still exists today, the Masons. It is believed that its origins date back to ancient Egypt when only a select guild of stone workers possessed special mathematical knowledge necessary for building the pyramids. Throughout history, masons kept their methods to themselves so that only they could build the great structures throughout time that still stand today. First, the pyramids, and on to the great castles and cathedrals of Europe. But secret societies were not limited to tradesmen. The word assassin has its roots in a secret brotherhood of Shiite Muslim warriors that controlled northern Syria during the time of the early crusades in the 11th century. Their speciality, they had perfected the art of killing. The set was founded by Hassani Zabah, called the Old Man of the Mountain, who ruled from a remote stronghold. Hassan indoctrinated his devotees with the promise that if they fought and died for Allah, they would live forever in paradise full of heavenly and earthly pleasures. He used the gruesome power of torture and murder to give his teachings special impact and assure complete discipline and devotion. Hassan gave hashish to his fanatical disciples to induce a feeling of invincibility before sending them on suicide missions. Hence the name assassin was derived from the word hashashin or hashish user. By 1100, the assassins were said to number over 70,000 fanatically devoted members. About the same time in history, another secret brotherhood was created, the Templars. The Priore de Sion, Priory of Zion, was a chivalrous fraternity created in medieval France with the purpose of preserving the Merovingian bloodline and returning them to the throne of France. Their official headquarters was the Abbey of Notre Dame du Mont de Sion in Jerusalem. In 1117, Baldwin I, King of Jerusalem, found himself greatly indebted to the Priory for their services in helping him attain the throne in return. The King negotiated the constitution of the Knights Templar as the military and administrative arm of the Priory of Zion. The Knights Templar had been created ten years before for the purpose of safeguarding pilgrims on the road to the Holy Land. During their time in the Middle East, the Templars had contact with the Muslims, including the Assassins. In fact, after the Crusades, because of the enemies they had in common, the Assassins took refuge among the Templars, imprinting the Christian soldiers with much of their fanatical and deadly ideas. As the Templars developed, they became not at all an Orthodox Christian organization but their secret rituals and doctrine were much more mystical, heretic, and occult-oriented. As the power of the Templars grew, the Brotherhood developed into a church within the church, handling their own banking, revoking excommunications issued by bishops, and they answered only to the
1: Pope. Everything about the the Knights Templar has uh, at least an element of mystery about it. Right from its beginnings, um, it was founded just after the the First Crusade, which had reopened the way between Europe and the the Holy Land. And in about 1118, nine French knights, all of whom were uh, connected with the court of the Count of Champagne, went over to the Holy Land with this mission, they said, to protect the, the roads and the pilgrimage routes to make them safe for pilgrims who would now be able to visit the holy places. Now, once they've, they, they, they arrived in the Holy Land, there's actually no evidence that actually did anything for nine years or so. And right from the beginning, there's, there's, there's something that doesn't quite connect and there's other evidence that this mission of protecting the pilgrimage routes was actually just a cover story. They actually went there for another reason. For some reason these nine knights thought that there was something to be found there. There's certainly evidence that they excavated beneath the Temple Mount. Um, Archaeologists have actually found Templar artifacts from those excavations.
0: As it turns out, the Templars spent very little time on the roads at all. Most of their nine-year stay was spent digging out old tunnels under the Temple Mount, the original site of the biblical Temple of Solomon. What were they looking for? The temples of Solomon had long since been destroyed. Yet in times of trouble, the priests were known to have hidden religious treasures in secret underground vaults until it was safe to remove them. The Bible tells us that the Ark of the Covenant and other treasures of the temple survived several foreign invasions in this way. Perhaps the Holy Grail had survived in the labyrinth under the temple as well, waiting for man to rediscover its power. Certainly it was no accident that the Knights stationed themselves in a mosque that rested on the ancient site. In fact, it was after their stay that they changed their name to the Knights of the Temple or the Knights Templar. A monk by the name of Bernard, who later became Saint Bernard, was involved in the formation of the Templars. Saint Bernard was involved in deciphering ancient Hebrew text.
1: Bernard, although in many ways a very worldly person, was um, also very spiritual. In ways that are quite odd for his time, he was very much into uh, the feminine side of religion very much into the Black Madonna cults, of, uh, particularly of the south of France, which are very kind of mysterious, almost pagan. He had a great veneration for the the feminine, embodied in lots of ways in the Virgin Mary, which was actually quite unusual for his time, and that appears to be the thing that drove him more than anything else. Saint Bernard was a, a very learned man uh, again for his time, yes, he, he studied Hebrew texts, studied other texts as well. It could well be something that he found in there that gave these people the idea that there's something worth having in Jerusalem. It's, it's speculative, but it's a, it, it's a good speculation. It's, you know, it, it seems a very logical thing. You have people studying these old documents who suddenly want to get their people to some of these old places mentioned in these documents. You know, they're, they're looking for something. Personally, I honestly don't know what it was they found except that it was people considered it important. Nobody knows for sure. Whatever it was, nobody knows where it went, Um, and it's it's a real mystery. uh, Well, there's no shortage of theories, any of which could be correct, Um, documents, Ark of the Covenant, Holy Grail, whatever that is, but they certainly had their secret.
0: A very old text records the find. We repaired to the secret vault and let down one of the companions as before. The sun at this time was at its meridian height, the rays of which enabled him to discover a small box or chest standing on a pedestal, curiously wrought and overlaid with gold. He gave the signal of ascending and it was immediately drawn out. We have brought it up for the examination of the Grand Council. Just what was in this small box that got the Templars so excited? Clearly, a group of Christian knights bound by the vow of poverty were not interested in anything of material value more likely it was an object of great religious significance. To this day, we still do not know exactly what the Templars found in the secret vault. What we do know is that news of the find brought Count Hughes of Champagne, the man who bankrolled the expedition back to Jerusalem, to join his former vassals. Once there, he immediately gave up all his worldly possessions to serve under them as one of the Knights Templar. It was after this discovery that the Grand Master of the Templars visited the Pope, and with St. Bernard's blessing, the Order of the Knights Templar was officially recognized by the Church. All over Christendom, men rushed to join the knights, leaving behind their families, giving over all their worldly possessions, and taking on the difficult vows of poverty and chastity.
1: The vow of poverty, um, actually, is why they became wealthy, because anybody that joined the order, anyone that became a, a Templar knight, had to give all their possessions to the order. Um, and it became quite a, a prestigious thing for noble families to, you know, to, to have um, you know, some of their sons go into the, the, the Temple of Order. And of course, any money and property they had would go into the, the coffers. Also, when the Pope endorsed the order, um, gave it his blessing and you know, said, this is a good thing, anyone that wanted to um, impress the Pope donated land and money to this new order and actually on a colossal scale none of the individual knights were allowed to own anything so that all this material that, uh, you know, land, castles, livestock and just pure money that was just given to them as a a gift um, went towards the order. Their reputation was as the most um, feared efficient fighting force on the Christian side. They were kind of the special forces of of their time. Also because they were this mixture of monk and soldier.
0: The Knights Templar had quite a career after the Crusades. They basically took over Europe financially dominating all of the major industries, especially that of money lending. They invented the modern checking system and within a few years had all of Europe's kings indebted to them.
2: Uh, They were far too big for their boots in many respects, certainly as far as the Pope and many kings were concerned. They were unbelievably rich. It seemed there was no stopping them, basically. Most historians believe that they got their comeuppance because of their wealth. Essentially, the the French king who started the suppression of the Templars, uh, Philip the Fair, Essentially that he was jealous of their great wealth. And it is generally thought that he used um, accusations of blasphemy uh, and sacrilege against them, but really he wanted their money. The charges against the Templars were blasphemy and sacrilege and that they um, failed to observe the usual reverence of the church, but that was well known. There were sexual elements in the charges, but then there always are, when you think about it, in charges against heretical groups. Uh, They were accused of sodomy, of homosexual acts. They were accused of uh, spitting and trampling upon the cross, um, of uh, worshipping not just a bearded severed head, but in some extraordinary um, cases, they were accused of worshipping severed head of a cat.
0: The Catholic Church got the confessions that it needed to suppress the Templars. On Friday the 13th, 1307, the Pope officially disbanded the Order of Knights. Their Grand Master was burned at the stake. By the middle of the 1300s, the Knights of Templars seemed to have completely disappeared and their treasury confiscated. But could the richest and most powerful brotherhood on earth and all their wealth be rounded up and seized almost overnight? No, the highly trained and organized Templars only went quickly underground, taking most of their wealth with them. They evolved into an enormously powerful and well-financed secret society. Indeed, as history unfolded, the facts show that Templars never went anywhere except out of the public view. But with one added dimension, an extreme hatred for the Catholic Church. At the same time, the Priory of Zion assumed that they would meet a similar fate from the Church. They too seemed to disappear, but again, only from the public eye. Over more than 400 years, from the 14th through the late 18th centuries, the Masons, Assassins, the Priory of Zion and the Templars existed as relatively isolated secret societies with a limited reach until, on May the 1st, 1776, in Bavaria, the human race saw what might be its darkest day. Adam Weishaupt, a Jesuit-trained professor of canon law, well-versed in the occult, formed a new secret organization that would unite all the secret societies for an unthinkable purpose, to gain complete control over the world and its resources and to achieve total domination of its people. Weishaupt euphemistically described it as a new world order. His diabolical brotherhood was founded on a synthesis of the themes of secret societies that had gone before. He skillfully combined Masonic secret rituals and knowledge, the Assassin's Islamic mysticism, killing arts, and use of hashish, the Priory of Zion's influential membership and the Templars' wealth, power, military science, and vendetta against the Catholic Church. To that, he added his own knowledge of the occult. It was not an accident that he chose May the 1st, a very important date on the Satanic calendar for the founding of his society. The group was called the Illuminati. The public translation was intellectually inspired. But Weishaupt himself said in private that the word was derived from Lucifer and meant holders of the light. The official seal of the Brotherhood was a mystical unfinished pyramid and an eye above it with rays of light emanating in all directions the eye represented the all-seeing, all-knowing nature of the illuminated brotherhood reigning above the world. To his followers, the Founder listed the five top secret primary means that would be used to accomplish his dark goal of total world domination. One monetary and sex bribery would be used to gain control of men already in high places in the various levels of all governments and other fields of endeavor. Two, the Illuminati who were on the faculty of colleges and universities were to cultivate the best students for the cause. Three, influential people and specially trained students under the control of the Brotherhood would be placed behind the scenes of all government, religious, and financial institutions and used as agents. Four, the secret society would develop absolute domination of the media so that all news and information could be slanted to convince the masses that a one world government is the only solution to our many problems. Five, the final phase of the operation would employ all resources in place to initiate military coups that would overthrow all opposing governments and put the world under one global government controlled by the Illuminati. The group was originally composed of 32nd degree Masons and used various Masonic lodges as recruiting grounds and fronts. The highest ranking Mason to be recruited was a nobleman from North Germany, Baron knigge also known as Adolf Francis, a major player in the European Masonic scene. The Illuminati were extremely secretive, even identifying themselves in their chapters by assumed classical names. For examples, Weishaupt was Spartacus, Carnegie was Philo, the headquarters was Eleusis, Austria was Egypt, etc. Dates were given in a sort of cryptography Under Carnegie's guidance, the ranks of the Illuminati grew to over 3,000. But so much rapid success also brought opposition. The Jesuits especially had fought the Illuminati from the first and eventually all priests became its active enemies. The Catholic Church went on the offensive against the Secret Brotherhood. In fact, priests raised so much opposition that the governor of Bavaria declared the Illuminati to be an outlaw conspiracy by edict in 1784. Many Illuminati were imprisoned, and some, including Weishaupt, were forced to flee the country. Soon, not only Illuminism, but also Freemasonry was forced out of Bavaria. By the end of the 18th century, the Illuminati seemed to have completely disappeared everywhere. But the Illuminati was not really gone any more than the secret societies that preceded them. They just went underground and added one more item to their list of dark goals. Infiltrate and bring down the Catholic religion. When we look around the world today, what do we see? of the secret societies. Masonic chapters exist in the open all around the globe as a mainstream organization. The Order of Knights Templar today exists as the top-ranking Masonic organization in the York Rite of Freemasonry. What goes on inside Masonic halls is still relatively secret. Probably known only to their upper echelon members are the dark rituals, goals and the vendetta against the Catholic Church. The masons and templars have very effectively integrated themselves into the world's most respected societies. To a lesser degree, the assassins have appeared publicly periodically throughout history. In the early 1800s, they were visible in India as they came under the direction of the Aga Khan, who they believed possessed divine powers. In the latter 1800s, the Aga Khan brought them to Afghanistan, where they developed a lasting relationship with the British. Later, the Aga Khan's descendants further infiltrated Western culture. One prominent example was when Prince Ali Aga Khan, grandson of Aga Khan II, married American actress Rita Hayworth. Are the assassins, as a secret, murderous order, now a thing of the past? The bloodshed occurring today at the hands of Islamic extremists would say the assassins are alive and well. The Priory of Zion also continues to this day. In fact, it has been reported that a number of illustrious figures in history have served as the Priory's grand masters. And there is corroborating evidence. In 1975, a discovery was made in a Parisian library. Parchments were found called Le Dossier Le Carré. These documents indeed reveal that some of the secret members were Leonardo da Vinci, Victor Hugo, and Sir Isaac Newton. The Priory has been credited by some with the creation of the European Union. Former President of France, Francois Mitterrand, was believed to be a member of the Priory and many other powerful people. As for the Merovingian bloodline that the Zions were pledged to protect, it continues on. Through incestuous intermarriage, most of the royal families of Europe can claim Merovingian descent. And it is said that from these royal families have come all 44 of the United States Presidents. These connections around the world through the Priory of Zion provided the Illuminati with the means to influence politics and power around the globe. But what about the most secret society of them all? Adam Weishaupt's Illuminati, the brotherhood that vowed to bring all the other secret societies together to control the world. Is it still actively pursuing its diabolical plan of world domination. Indeed, shocking new facts that we have uncovered reveal that it is stronger than ever today. Studying a top-secret society is much like studying the current of a lake. The ripples on the surface give us clues to know what is going on in the darkness below. The Illuminati's grand plan required that it infiltrate the governments of all countries around the world. In our extensive investigation, we focused on just one target, the former Soviet Union, to see how it was manipulated by the Illuminati. An effective way to gain control of a government would be to penetrate its intelligence structures. Newly released information from the files of the KGB provides some unprecedented insight. Now that the Cold War is over, some highly classified information is being smuggled out of carefully guarded vaults in what used to be the Soviet Union. With the change to a market economy here, many items never before available to Russians are finding their way to the black market. They say that everything is for sale in the new Russia including state secrets and the spies who kept them. After the collapse of the Soviet Union came the dissolving of the KGB. The new government formed its own new security and intelligence agencies, employing many of the old KGB personnel, but leaving many without jobs. Even those with employment were often not paid as promised. We found that many former KGB employees were eager to give first-hand accounts of their classified activities within the agency for the right price. However, when the subject of the Illuminati was introduced, no amount of money could induce anyone to talk about it. We took this as a definite sign that we were on the right track and getting dangerously close to uncovering the presence of the secret brotherhood within the KGB. The former KGB employees were willing to direct us to black market sources where we might obtain further information, but at our own peril. Though most leads proved to be ultimately unproductive, we found that with perseverance, money and a bit of luck, it is possible to acquire classified Soviet documents. Using a hidden camera, we recorded numerous meetings over a period of months in which we attempted to obtain relevant materials. This transaction between one of our Moscow contacts and black market dealers proved to be one of the more successful ventures. Though as you'll see, not without a few tense moments. It's yeah, it's I'm talking, we need more money, okay? But like we can get, okay, let's do that. Like, give want 5000 and that's okay, and... Uh Finally safe from the black market dealers, within some of these documents, we found corroboration for the most valuable piece of information related to us by the ex-KGB agents. Just as we had been told, indeed, the KGB carefully recorded their activities in documents, films, and tapes. And these were kept in storage in a holding facility beneath the KGB headquarters under the highest security. These were probably the most sensitive records possessed by the agency, for they would illuminate in graphic detail the most intimate activities of the KGB and possibly the connection to the Illuminati. The documents we purchased from the black market dealers represented a major breakthrough. They not only confirmed that more revealing KGB materials existed, They also told us where they were kept. Again, we went to our black market sources, now armed with this new knowledge. We believe that with the demise of the KGB, most of the safeguards protecting its records would be gone. Someone out there must have the knowledge and access to be able to supply them to us for a price. Over the course of the next five months, we employed our sources to try to obtain specifically these top-secret records of the KGB. This transaction between one of our Moscow contacts, an interpreter, and a local black market dealer yielded astonishing results. The location of this meeting is a textile factory in the Zakorniki district of Moscow. This is the office of the Russian entrepreneur who owns the plant and uses it for both legitimate and illegal business. After introductions and some initial small talk, the dealer is asked whether the KGB materials are on the premises. From a safe, documents are produced that relate to the films and tapes the dealer has promised to deliver. After an inspection of the documents and a cursory verification of their authenticity, the transaction is completed.
3: Okay, well, thank you. Uh, Nice to meet you. (laughs) Money
0: changes hands, and the 10th group is led to another office where the films and tapes are said to be stored. And finally, the graphic films, tapes and documents we would heard about surfaced. In a startling revelation within the classified documents we obtained, we find proof that the Illuminati infiltrated the Soviet Union and the KGB. These communiques between two high-level KGB agents actually refer to the original illuminated one Adam Weishaupt by name. They go on to allude to a connection with two past rulers of Russia, Joseph Stalin and Nikita Khrushchev. Our mission to place agents within the walls of the Vatican is a goal that the founder Weishaupt talked about 200 years ago. It is something that has been attempted through the years by both Stalin and Khrushchev with no success, but I believe we can finally do it this time. What's more, in the lab, our investigators made an alarming discovery a magnified view reveals that an unnoticeable dot, the period at the end of the final sentence on the page is actually a seal. It is the unfinished pyramid with an iron triangle above it. The official insignia of the Illuminati, a marking used by the secret society since its creation in 1776. The KGB was determined To infiltrate the Vatican. Why would this of all places be of such critical interest to the Russians? The answer is simple. The Russians would have no interest in the Vatican, but the Illuminati would. Not only would it further the vendetta against the Catholics, but it would be important for the greater purpose of gaining control of the world. The Vatican may be the most powerful force on the planet. For influencing people. Policies dictated by the Vatican affect one billion people spread across the globe on every continent in comparison to less than 300 million under the direct influence of the US or the former USSR. Reigning at the top of this vast empire of followers is one man, the Pope, whose words and wishes are considered by his followers to have divine inspiration. No other person on earth has such extraordinary power and influence. The Illuminati would have a great interest in exerting whatever influence they could on the Pope and his advisers. The KGB had a staff of agents permanently assigned to Rome, but the Vatican City exists as a very closed world, an officially recognized independent state with its own government. In effect, it is a sovereign state existing within the city of Rome. Surveillance of it from the outside is very incomplete. From more secret KGB documents we have obtained, we learn that in 1972, the Illuminati using the people they had in the KGB, formulated a bold plan to position one of their people within the walls of the Vatican. Again, the period at the end of the final sentence on the document is actually the miniature pyramid and eye, the official insignia of the Illuminati. At last, the secret brotherhood could begin to control the Catholic Church from the inside. An agent was sent to the Vatican posing as a Ukrainian priest, driven from his country by the communists for anti-communist rhetoric. He was quickly accepted by the pro-American Vatican clergy. After only a few months he achieved his primary objective, gaining the confidence of the office of Cardinal Velo, the Secretary of State of Pope Paul VI. In this exclusive KGB film footage we obtained, on the right is the agent posing as a priest. On the left is the chief assistant to Cardinal Vilo.
2: The okay.
0: third man is actually another KGB agent, no doubt placed in the organization by the Illuminati. He is also seeking to gain access to the Cardinal. When Vilo's assistant is sent on his customary monthly trip to Milan, the KGB installs a camera in his hotel room. In typical KGB fashion, the priest is about to be set up to be blackmailed to assure his continued cooperation. Over several days, a woman becomes friendly with him and gains his trust. The film shows that the trap was well set. One night, the woman comes to his room to take him to a dinner meeting. While he is briefly away pouring drinks, she takes off her blouse. Film ends abruptly. But no matter what the outcome of the encounter was, the brief shot of this priest with a half-dressed woman in his room is damaging enough to guarantee his future assistance in the surveillance of Vilo's activities. Certainly in the near future, the Illuminati-controlled KGB agents will begin looking for ways to manipulate Vilo himself. Once that is accomplished, they will be extremely close to the very heart of the Catholic religion, Pope Paul VI. But it appears that the Illuminati was not content with exerting only influence to control the Vatican. They sometimes resorted to murder. Since the founding of the Illuminati, a number of officials have died at the Vatican under highly suspicious circumstances, including three popes. In each case, the death of the official was timed so as to have a great political significance, the tell-tale mark of the secret brotherhood influencing world politics for their benefit. In 1939, Pope Pius XI was poised to release a statement condemning both the Nazis and the fascists, groups doing the kind of evil that the Illuminati would be behind. But before he could make the public statement, he suddenly died. The close assistant, Cardinal Tisserand was heard to repeat again and again in French, they have assassinated him, they have assassinated him. His body was quickly embalmed, making an autopsy and proof of cause of death impossible. In 1978, it seemed the Secret Brotherhood might again be using murder to manipulate the papacy. Paul VI suddenly Admittedly, he was frail, but the sudden worsening of his condition seemed all too convenient to many observers. However, this time, the Illuminati architects got a result they probably were not expecting. A Pope who would be at odds with them. John Paul I. Almost immediately after he took office, the new Pope showed a great deal of independence. It seemed that John Paul had a special distaste for the corruption he had seen was rampant in the Vatican's finances. While he was the Cardinal of Venice, the Venetian Catholic Bank was sold in a secret deal to the Vatican Bank for a greatly undervalued amount. Profits reaped by a few were estimated at more than $70 million, but the losses to the Venetians were great. The clergy of Venice even lost their pension funds. Instrumental in the deal were bankers, Roberto Calvi, his mentor, Sindona and the director of the Vatican Bank, Bishop Marcinkus. After John Paul became Pope, these three were still in charge of investing much of the church's money. In his new position, the pontiff had the power to investigate them and publicly bring out the facts. Altogether, he was poised to uncover illegal dealings that involved almost a billion dollars. This would be a serious blow to the Illuminati, who were certainly behind the criminal financial dealings. The danger to the Pope became shockingly clear one day at a private meeting between John Paul and a Russian Orthodox Archbishop, Nicodem. As the meeting began, coffee was poured. Nicodem took the verse sip and almost immediately collapsed to the floor and died. His face was very contorted in a horrible and unnatural grimace, as if the death was very painful. The stunned Pope carefully put down his own cup before he sipped. Certainly it came to his mind that the coffee must have been laced with poison that was meant for him. The official doctor, however, quickly proclaimed that the Archbishop had died from what had become the standard cause for deaths at the Vatican, a massive coronary. All the facts surrounding the mysterious death of the Russian Archbishop Nikodim pointed toward an assassination attempt and a cover-up. The Russian's body was embalmed very quickly after his death, without a prior complete medical examination. After the embalming, it would be impossible to perform an accurate autopsy to determine the cause of death, particularly if it involved poison. Also, the coffee the Archbishop drank was never collected for analysis, and no forensic investigation was ever carried out. Although the proof was gone, to many it was clear that the Pope had narrowly escaped being murdered, only 10 days after he was elected the experience proved so frightening that john paul called a secret meeting with his top four cardinals to discuss the situation the meeting took place on september 28 1978 only the four cardinals and the pope were in the room to this day it is not known exactly what was said but afterwards the pope was moved to take action. He ended the term of Cardinal Vilo as Secretary of State. This was the same Cardinal Vilo, whose assistant had been blackmailed in the KGB films taken in 1972. Over the six years, this Cardinal must have also been drawn into the Illuminati's web. Removing him meant that the Pope had uncovered at least part of the dark secret. But even John Paul could not avoid his fate at the hands of the Illuminati. That night, the pontiff retired earlier than usual and took with him detailed notes of the secret meeting to deliberate upon. At 5 a.m. the next morning, the Pope's closest attendant, Sister Vincenza, became concerned. His Holiness had never overslept before. She peered inside his door. John Paul appeared to be sitting in bed with a light on as if he were reading. Various papers were around him. But to her horror, his face was frozen in the same agonized contortion she had seen on the face of the dead Russian Nicodem only days before. After only 33 days as Pope, John Paul was dead. After more than 200 years of protecting their secret ways, the Illuminati was very thorough at covering its tracks. Although the Pope had relieved him of his secretary of state duties just hours before, Cardinal Velo took charge. As the senior cardinal, he was now, in essence, the temporary Pope. He first locked himself in the papal bedroom and collected prescription medicines from the bed table and most of the papers in the room, including notes Of the secret meeting. Also taken were the candies the pontiff often enjoyed while reading and even the Pope's reading glasses and slippers. All these items were never seen again. Next, Velo sent Sister Vincenza away to a convent after forbidding her to tell anyone that she had found the pontiff dead and anything about what she saw. And then at 6.10 a.m. he ordered embalmers to be summoned. But the most shocking occurrence of all was that they arrived almost immediately. It was estimated that given the distance the embalmers had to travel, they must have been contacted at 4.45am, 15 minutes before the time that the sister had discovered the Pope. At 7.30am a public announcement was issued. The cause of death was heart failure. Instead of Sister Vincencia, it was reported that the Pope's secretary, Monsignor Maggi, had found the body and the time of discovery was changed to 5.30. By the time of the announcement, the Embalmers had already done their work. Just as in the all too similar death of the Russian Archbishop only 23 days before, any possibility of a 100% accurate autopsy was eliminated. If foul play was involved in the death of John Paul I, the chance to prove it was conclusively gone forever. 10 days after John Paul's funeral, Cardinal Vilo assembled the conclave to elect a successor. The official electing body includes 111 cardinals, Once sequestered in the Sistine Chapel, the cardinals must invoke the power of the Holy Ghost to guide them to their decision. But in truth, the principal candidates for Pope are not determined behind the closed doors of the conclave. These decisions are made in the elegant restaurants of Rome, where the most powerful cardinals meet for their dinners and lunches. When the Cardinals finally entered the Sistine Chapel for the closed-door session Sunday morning, October the 15th, 1978, it became the scene of a theatre of political manipulation on all levels. From promises whispered between Cardinals to heated debates, with each ballot tensions elevated. After the eighth ballot, white smoke billowed up from the Vatican, signaling that a new pope had been elected. It also signaled a staggering defeat for the KGB and the Illuminati. The new pontiff was a staunchly anti-communist Pole, John Paul II. But the Illuminati does not accept defeat easily. On May the 13th, 1981, Mehmet Aliyakka, a man wanted in Turkey for murder, stood outside the Vatican Basilica in the crowd waiting for the Pope to ride through. According to Aliakka's own account, John Paul came out of the Vatican about 5 p.m. in a white jeep. As the Pope came by, Aliakka pulled a pistol up and fired three times before being wrestled to the ground by the crowd. The pontiff was seriously wounded but he would recover to continue his papacy. At first, Alyagka asserted that he had acted on his own, but investigators became convinced that a much larger conspiracy had used the obviously unstable and dangerous man as a tool for assassination. Soon, Alyagka admitted that the shooting was part of a Bulgarian conspiracy masterminded by the KGB. But, of course, both Bulgaria and the Soviet Union denied any involvement. When the jury announced Aliaga's conviction and life sentence, he seemed shocked that he'd been left to bear the responsibility for the crime alone. Then he began laying out the precise details of the conspiracy to Italian investigators, naming all those involved. On November the 25th, 1982, Serge Ivanov Antonov, an employee of the Bulgarian National Airline, was arrested in Rome and charged with involvement in the assassination attempt. Soon, the list widened to include three other Bulgarians and four Turks. In July 1983, as Agka was being transported to another facility, the world saw him publicly admit the KGB connection as he shouted to reporters that the KGB and Bulgarian intelligence services were involved. Later, he explained that he had been trained in Bulgaria and Syria by KGB experts in international terrorism. He also admitted that Antonov was an accomplice along with two Bulgarian embassy employees. In 1984, Italian judge Lario Martella was convinced that the KGB and the Bulgarian Secret Service were involved in the assassination attempt on Pope John Paul II. The judge released this finding based on the following facts. Agka used a perfectly forged passport to enable his entrance into Italy, something available only from highly sophisticated sources. He also had enough money to allow him to stay for extended periods in Bulgaria, Switzerland, and several other European countries. There was evidence that he received substantial assistance in his activities in Italy leading up to the assassination attempt. In spring, the trial of eight men accused of conspiring to kill the Pope convened and the facts began to emerge. During the trial, Several Turkish defendants testified that they aided Agka in his travels from Turkey through Bulgaria to Italy. Another said he had made payments to Agka from the Bulgarians on trial. One admitted delivering the assassination weapon to Agka in a Milan restaurant. By the 1980s, after two centuries of positioning their people in high places, the Illuminati had apparently gained control of the Italian courts. In the end, to the amazement of most observers, the Italian court found that there was insufficient evidence to convict the conspirators. The Agca case not only illustrated that the Secret Brotherhood had compromised the Italian judicial system, it also showed that the Illuminati had reached the very top of the KGB. In 1990, Viktor Ivanovich Shemov, a KGB major, who defected to the US, made a shocking admission. Before he escaped from Russia in 1980, he received an order to obtain all the information possible how to get physically close to the Pope. The order was signed by Yuri Andropov himself, at the time the head of the KGB. The same Yuri Andropov who would only a few years later become the head of the Soviet Union the Illuminati's final step to domination called for military coups around the world to seize power in order to create one global government controlled by them. To accomplish this, they would use the huge surplus of catastrophic weapons stockpiled in the USSR to threaten the entire world. Although the KGB was the most well known, it was not the only espionage entity run by the former USSR another agency just as massive but even more secret than the KGB was the GRU carrying out military intelligence and the secret brotherhood went to great lengths to infiltrate it. The proof that they were successful is revealed in these highly classified GRU agency documents that we purchased from a black market document dealer in Russia in them an agent is given his orders to work Using the cover of a journalist in Washington, DC. Once again, the Illuminati has left their telltale sign. The period under high magnification is the pyramid and all-seeing eye. While the KGB collected information on political figures and influenced politics around the globe, the GIU gathered intelligence essential for achieving military objectives. Some of the activities of the GRU were aimed at achieving objectives in various ongoing conflicts such as Afghanistan. But the major mission of the GRU was to prepare for future wars with other countries, especially the USA. It was this agency that was ready-made to be used to place the deadly weapons for the final phase of Illuminati's dark plan. The GRU operatives were perfectly trained for the operation.
3: In time of uh, Cold War beginning, uh, in the mid, in the end, actually all time uh, of our military service, uh, we we were used in uh, military preparation of uh, former Soviet Union for the future war against America.
0: Beside their military education, GRU operatives underwent three years of exhaustive training. They learned to use all the tools and techniques of the spy, and they became experts in explosives. Once fully trained, the GRU agents were moved to assignments in foreign countries. Some were given diplomatic covers and went to work in embassies. Others assumed positions as journalists. As is the case in the secret documents we obtained with the insignia of the Illuminati. One was Stanislav Lunev, a former GRU colonel, who in 1992, after 20 years with the agency, would become Russia's highest ranking military officer to defect. In his book, and in an exclusive interview with us, Lunev gives a first-hand look into the GRU. Although his face was never shown, he would not even mention the Illuminati, although he never denied their existence or involvement in the GIU, He does, however, reveal some shocking facts.
3: In the United States, I worked in Washington, D.C. operational area, uh, under the same cover as a TASS news agency correspondent. It's a very good cover because... You know, between journalists and uh, spies, real spies, there are a lot of common, because uh, all of them are looking for news and for real information.
0: Once in position in the field, the GRU agents had various tasks. One was to help coordinate terrorist campaigns to destabilize unfriendly governments. GRU officials have now revealed that during the Vietnam War, the agency invested over $1 billion promoting the anti-war campaign in the US. This expertise at manipulating governments was a skill that fit exactly with the Illuminati's future plans for overthrowing governments. Another major part of the GRU's agent's work was laying the groundwork for Russian Special Forces, the Spetsnaz, These elite troops under the GRU would penetrate countries to perform military sabotage when needed. Some would blow up strategic targets such as power stations, bridges and communication centres. Others would form assassination squads to kill government leaders and their families. This was an ability of great value for the Illuminati for world domination. In order to bring the Russian special forces into foreign countries when required, the GRU needed to assure themselves that they would have access to cross the borders. For this, they relied on the expertise of the KGB. The agency excelled at gaining entry into unfriendly countries. They needed to be able to consistently position their spies and smuggle out information. Again. The KGB often used sex and latin to accomplish its goals. So in this hidden the, uh, camera the film, the HF man HF on the right is a KGB agent a acting as a raven, a male government whose government job is to government seduce government someone to commit time? espionage. This raven is in the process of setting up a Mexican border guard. You. No, I'll, I'll go to replaced. Yeah. All right. no. It's
2: great.
0: once this border guard was hooked KGB agents could freely cross into the US from Mexico at this station this information would then be passed on to the GRU so they too could use the access to bring in agents and the Spetsnaz when they were called for
3: so. Will you call me? I call you. you. will? Anyway, anyway, I'll, I'll contact you, you know what I mean? I, I'll call you. I'll, call, okay. I'll find you then I'll call you. Are
0: you okay? I'm yeah. okay. Okay. To execute the plan for global chaos and military coups, the Secret Brotherhood used the GIU to position sleeper agents and devastating weapons around the world. These weapons would stay hidden in strategic places until the day they would be needed. At that time of the Illuminati's choosing, the agents would come out of hiding and the weapons
3: used. These Special operation Forces uh, commanders um, are very highly trained uh, military professionals, and they will come here when uh, real tension would be in place. Uh, and uh, they need to have very special weapon system to destroy very highly protected targets. So they will have nuclear weapons, chemical, biological, other weapon system.
0: The most frightening weapons to be smuggled in were the small nuclear devices that have become known as the nuclear suitcase bombs. These weapons could be moved easily by one person but had awesome destructive capabilities. Once they were in the US and other enemy countries, the weapons were hidden in safe places and could be retrieved in time of war. It is estimated that a frightening number of these nuclear devices were positioned in the US and other countries. In all probability, these nuclear devices remain hidden in their secret locations, all ready for use today. Thanks to the newly opened files of the KGB, we've had a shocking look at how the Illuminati has over the years manipulated the world's institutions, like the Vatican. And we have seen that devastating weapons have been positioned around the world. We have focused on only Russia's connection to the Illuminati. Since Adam Weishaupt founded the secret organization in 1776, its tentacles have extended into many other nations around the globe. Even the United States shows telltale signs. The most obvious is on the back of the US $1 bill. Prominently displayed are the pyramid and the eye. The Illuminati's insignia put there in 1933 by order of President Franklin D. Roosevelt. Underneath are the Latin words Novus Ordo Seclorum, which translates as New World Order. Can the unthinkable plan for Illuminati global domination be stopped? The only thing a secret society fears is being exposed. Today, books on the frightening subject are gaining wide distribution. The Internet is filled with information about the secret organization. We can only hope that the people of all nations around the world will see the signs and heed the clear warning that there are those lurking in the shadows who are planning to take away our freedom. I'm Patrick McNee. Thanks for joining me.